Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. In addition, I know there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Let me tell you something. Some of you have commented, I wear since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from our lady of... Every Memorial Day, we hold a service remembering him, attending by friends and family and the people who loved him. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone to remind me when he passed away. Passed away. Simple truth is respect, I sat for five hours. This isn't about whether or not you love your son and nobody's insulting the love of your son. This is about the fact that you can't remember. And I am not interested in your refutations. And America should not be interested. America should only be interested in the fact that you have, on multiple occasions over the past week alone, referenced conversations with dead people. That in this special counsel report that you are outraged by, how in the hell he dare raise that, the special counsel, his name is Richard Herr, H-U-R, made mention that no prosecution would be forthcoming. Not because he pulled a James Comey and saying no reasonable prosecutor would, would bring this forward. No, he's not bringing charges because you would look like a pathetic old man on the, on the witness stand. An elderly man who has memory loss. With all due respect, your feelings don't matter at all. The country matters. And as we have been discussing for days before anybody was having this conversation in earnest, you have to go. And the 25th Amendment should be enacted and he should be removed from office. Or, as has also been described, a one-page impeachment should go forward showing the special counsel report, which, we should be clear, shows, excuse me, shows that you had, Mr. President, classified documents in your possession from your days in the Senate, from your days as vice president, that they were strewn about your garage in Delaware, never mind your offices uh, from the University of Pennsylvania, and Lord only knows where else. Things that should have been in a skiff, a special compartmentalized information facility. Things that were indeed marked top secret. You claim that you never shared any conversation with your ghostwriter. The person who wrote your book, you never shared any information. That was classified. But that, of course, is not true. Because you told the writer, I have it. I have the classified information. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. This is where we're at, guys. Everything that we've been discussing, we are here and now it's time for action. So what I have been trying to put together is 
understanding what it is we're discussing. What is the 25th Amendment and how does it work? What is the role that is played by the cabinet? Is there a role played by Congress if President Biden should want to fight this? Is impeachment the right response? But as you saw me put on on, on social, if you follow me on X at Tony Katz, I want someone to explain to me why Joe Biden should remain in office without using the words, but Trump. Show me. Explain it to me. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. You explain to me how it is that Joe Biden should continue to be in office, how this is not just dangerous. You say to me, Tony, you're talking about bringing in Kamala Harris. I know what I'm talking about, and I know that she's a fool. But she knows what time it is, and she's not talking to dead people. You can either focus on elections and political power, or you can focus on the country. I'm focusing on the country, kitten. And I have no time for the people focusing on the political power. So call, and you explain to me how Joe Biden should remain. He doesn't know where he is. And you want to know how bad this special counsel report is? The press conference held at 8 p.m. proves it. And I will break that down. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Vice President and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive department or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the President pro tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The Vice President shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting President. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. That is the 25th Amendment. Now, it goes on to discuss how the president can then push back, how this would then go to Congress to make a decision. But this is a question of whether or not we are at the place of invoking the 25th Amendment and removing Joe Biden from office. I have made my argument clear. The answer is yes. His cognitive decline is real no matter what the White House says. His issues are on full display for the world, no matter what MSNBC says. His office can spin all they want. What do you say then to Americans who have that concern and they see three times in just a couple days the president getting the name of a leader wrong and referencing somebody who is deceased? So look, again, as you just stated in your question to me, I, I just laid out um, other, other leaders in their community or elected officials who have done the same. Uh, so it is not, uh, uh, not uncommon. Look, as it, relates to, as it relates to what the American people feel or what the American people think, I want to be really careful because you did ask me that question in, in a context of the election, so I can't really speak to the election. That's Corinne Jean-Pierre just not wanting to answer the question. To misspeak, to confuse a name does happen. To say that you had a conversation with somebody who's been dead since 1996 doesn't always happen. And to have the special counsel looking into your willful taking of classified documents, 
say I'm not going to bring charges because this is an elderly man with a poor memory who took very long gaps in trying to answer questions, who had a hard time figuring out the answers to questions, who forgot when his son passed away. Is that somebody you're allowed to be leader of the free world? William Jacobson joins us right now, Cornell Law Professor. He is the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I started, sir, with a conversation of the 25th Amendment. I'd like for you, uh, in, in your capacity, take us through it. How does it work? How would it be enacted? And what rights does the president have to say, wait a second, I've got my uh, faculties, I'm back in power? actually in the 25th Amendment, Section 4. And so to, to kick it off is relatively simple. All you need is the vice president and a majority of the principal officers of the executive departments, which I think is understood to be the cabinet, uh, majority of the cabinet and the vice president to decide that the president is unable to fulfill his duties, his powers and duties. There's no definition of what it means to be unable to discharge the powers and duties. But that's the language, you know, in in the 25th Amendment. So I think it's up to them to decide that. It's not much like impeachment is a very political act. So is this. And they would have to make a decision whether he's incapacitated in some manner, uh, whether it be, um, you know, mentally or physically or otherwise. And then uh, they present that to the uh, Senate and the Speaker of the House. And uh, then the president has a right to object to it, and then it goes to a vote in the House uh, and the Senate. So we are now in the place where we're asking this question, and I have uh, made, I've laid down my marker. I, I have said yes. Does the special counsel's report is is that something that could be utilized as a way uh, of the cabinet saying? If the special counsel isn't going to bring the charges because he can't actually defend himself on the stand, because that's what the argument is. The idea that he has a poor memory means he cannot defend himself on the stand. That's enough to say that the man is incapacitated and cannot be president. Is, cannot, is, it, is, it, is it fair to say that that special counsel report could kick this off or really it could just be casual observation? Well, I think it both. I mean, it could kick it off and it could be casual observation. I'm trying to recall it. I think what they said is that they didn't they thought he would come across to a jury as an elderly person with faulty memory. I don't know if they said he's incapable of defending himself. Uh, That's a different standard that would be in court being declared, you know, mentally incompetent to stand trial as opposed to a prosecutor making a decision that somebody's going to be really sympathetic to a jury and will never get a conviction because they'll just, it's what I call the Uncle Leo defense uh, from Seinfeld that, oh, I'm old, I'm forgetful, the elderly make mistakes. I mean, that might prevent a conviction. So uh, I'm not sure it's a declaration that he's mentally incompetent, and I'm not sure that a declaration of mental incompetence is necessary under the 25th Amendment. Remember, it's it's a political act, just like impeachment. There's undefined terms. And so it is whatever the majority of the cabinet and the vice president decide it means. But certainly the fact that this is now out in the public, certainly the fact that this was a Department of Justice special counsel finding, a special counsel appointed by Merrick Garland, 
Um, Merrick Garland, I believe, has the right to contest special counsel findings. I don't think he's done that here. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's powerful. It puts enormous public pressure. It starts the debate. Whether it goes anyplace is not really an objective factor. It, it's up to the cabinet and the vice president. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor of the Mind Behind LegalInsurrection.com. Just for the sake of clarity, no, the special counsel did not say he's incapacitated. I am saying that stating that he is an elderly man with poor memory, in my view, is the conversation that he's incapacitated. Just for the, for the sake of, of clarity, the 25th Amendment as a political act and impeachment as a political act, there has been a conversation out there. I first saw it from, from Hugh Hewitt. Uh, that a one-page impeachment. So, uh, put read the uh, special counsel's report into the record, into a congressional record, and bring the impeachment that indeed the president is incapacitated. They could. I mean, we talk about it as a political tool all the time. Th- that that is enough, correct? In, in the conversation of high crimes and misdemeanors, that's just really a catch-all statement. You can impeach for anything, and certainly incapacitation could be one of those things. Well, I think that would be a little bit uncharted territory. That's, you know, arguably you've got the, you know, 25th Amendment for that, not the impeachment process. But impeachment is ill-defined. I'm not sure that's a high crime or misdemeanor to be an elderly man with a bad memory. Uh, But they could try it. And then the question is, there's nobody's going to stop them if they can pass an impeachment on that basis. But it would have to be a conviction in the Senate. And so then it would, you know, be up to the senators to decide whether that's a ground. Uh, so, yeah, this is all politics here. And, uh, you know, I would think, you know, Biden's a fairly stubborn person, uh, has been his whole political career, uh, fairly nasty person, has been his entire political career. Certainly there were no signs in his press conference last night that he's ready to give it up. Uh, but if people were to go to him and say, look, we think there are the votes in the cabinet to replace you. Please don't make us do it. Okay. Um, maybe he would change his mind. I'm not convinced he would. Okay. I'm not convinced he would because, you know, in his mind, he's still that scrappy kid from Scranton, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, staring down corn right. pop or whatever the name was, uh, you know. So, I, I mean, part of being incapacitated is the inability to make rational decisions. And you would think a rational decision for him would be, look, handwriting's on the wall. Kamala is going to depose me with the cabinet. Let me just resign for the good of the country. Uh, But I'm not convinced he would do that. As you write uh, over there at LegalInsurrection.com, you talk about the Uncle Leo defense. You you quote uh, things about the report. He did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended. If it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president? Question mark is the actual quote. And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. Quote, in 2009, am I still vice president? Uh, Unquote. He had difficulty remembering the timing of his son Bo's death, as well as a debate about Afghanistan. And the report states, quote, he did not remember, even within several years, when his son Bo died to a conversation of just how the law sees things. Is there a standard under the law by which courts determine dealing with any uh, plaintiff or defendant 
that they utilize to determine whether or not you know someone is competent to stand trial or whether or not comp- someone is competent to bring the lawsuit to begin with? Well, in terms of competency to stand trial, there, there clearly are standards. I can't say whether they're uniform across all the states, but kind of the general idea is the person able to understand what's going on. Is the person able to participate in his own defense? Uh, I think that's kind of a generalized standard. They may, I'm sure there are nuances depending on the state you're in. So uh, there's nothing in this report that indicates he's incapable of understanding what's going on around him uh, or that he's incapable of defending his position on things. So I don't think he would be declared unfit you know, mentally incompetent to stand trial in a court. He's just, but but should he be sitting in the Oval Office, you know, with control of the nuclear codes? Okay, that's a very different standard. So I don't think this court standard is one we really should be focusing on because we're not in court and he's not charged, you know, um, he's not charged with the crime and asserting as a defense that he's incompetent to stand trial. I think we need to look at, is it in the interest of the country to have a guy who can't remember basic details of his own life uh, and who confuses people all the time and confuses country or countries all the time in the present? Is, is that the person who should be sitting in the Oval Office as commander-in-chief making decisions? And the excuse that they've offered up is, well, a lot of these, this interview with the special counsel came soon after the Hamas attack on Israel on October 7th. Well, that's precisely when we need somebody who can think clearly in a crisis. So that's more, the defense is more troubling than, than the original accusation that he was unable to remember things and to think clearly because it was a time of crisis. That's not the person we want in the Oval Office. And I think so that, that makes it even worse. So I, I don't like focusing on this court standard because it's really not applicable here. And I think it actually aids, helps Joe Biden stay in office if the standard is whether you're mentally competent to stand trial in a court. Now, it's a, uh, we, I'll ask you the question while I've still got a minute left outside of, uh, of, of the legal. You're an observer. You, 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 we, we see you engaged in conversations not only with us on, on Tony Katz today, but, but, but across the, the, the media sphere. Uh, you're, you're, you spend your time on, on the Cornell campus and you have your own issues there with, with anti-Semitism and, and DEI and, and, and a whole host of, of, of bigotry issues that, that you fight daily. It, while I still have a minute, is there a turning in your view of the tide on this that very clearly even Democrats will start saying, we've got a problem here? Well, I think Democrats know they have a problem, whether they're willing to say it publicly, whether they're willing to um, do something about it uh, is a different question. And I think, you know, they will make a cold calculation as to whether they think the present Joe Biden, Joe Biden, as he exists, can beat Donald Trump. I mean, that's going to be their decision. I don't think they're going to worry about weightier issues about what's in the good of the nation to have him in the White House. They will reach an internal decision. Can Biden, as he currently exists, beat Trump? And can we keep him in the basement like we did in 2020 and not allow him to do these press conferences again? This was a huge mistake to put him out there. My guess is he demanded it. Well, so, that, I, that, I But that was a, a fear move from the White House, which we'll discuss yeah. another time. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com. I appreciate you being with us. More on that and... 
President Trump seemed to look very good in keeping himself on the Colorado ballot. We'll discuss that next. This is Tony Katz today. six hours it has been an insane whirlwind of news right so never mind the the biden absolutely insane press conference and we need to discuss where the real story is in that which is that the press conference took place i will get to that tony katz tony katz today good to be with you find everything i do at tonykatz.com but we also forget that it was the lawsuit Right, Colorado wants to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. This goes to the Supreme Court, and we should be clear that the Supreme Court did not find uh, the, the, the state of Colorado to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Convincing. I'm trying to play my audio right here. Let me try that again for you, because I don't want I don't, I don't to leave you out. I don't want to leave it out for you. No, there has to be some process for determining those questions. And then the question becomes, does anything in the 14th Amendment say that only Congress can create that process? And, and Section 5 very clearly is not an exclusive provision. It says Congress shall have power. But maybe and- put m- most boldly, I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. That's Representative, not Representative, Justice Elena Kagan. Asking what is a key question. Kurt Schlichter joins us right now. Trial lawyer, retired colonel, United States Army. He's also the author of The Attack, his latest book. Uh, That is available at Amazon.com. Could October 7th happen in America? Yes, and much worse. Uh, Check out the book over at Amazon.com. Let's start. With this case, uh, Trump v. Colorado, that's what I'm calling it, where Colorado states uh, that uh, Trump can't be on the ballot because he incited an insurrection, even though uh, there has been no charges and he has not been found guilty of anything. This goes in front of the Supreme Court. You've engaged in a lot of cases. You're you're there in the courtroom often, often. What was your take on how Colorado presented itself? Um, I got. I thought it got beaten like a redheaded stepchild. I, uh, it, it, you know, the, the the justices just were not having it, and they were raising. You know, they <clears throat> there's a, a thing in the law where you you generally deal with procedural issues first. That is, can this case even be brought for technical reasons before you get to the substance? So the substance would be: was there even an insurrection? The procedural thing is. Who makes that determination? The cut from Kagan, was, who's liberal, um, was, was very uh, compelling. What power allows one state to determine who can be president? Where, where do you find that? And if you don't find that somewhere, uh, and I think it's pretty clear it's not in the Constitution, I thought the idea that, well, it says Congress may make laws to uh, um, uh, implement this uh, uh, section of the 14th Amendment. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't leave open the capacity of indi- uh, one individual state in one, one, one 
you know, 50th of America to decide who can and can't be president. So, uh, I mean, there's so much wrong with this. And there's such an echo chamber on the left where you have people who are uh, allegedly sensible, uh, largely law professors. And when you see a law professor on Twitter, you, sh- you can pretty much assume that uh, what he says is 180 degrees off from what actually is. Uh, you know, fantasizing that they're somehow going to dispose of their political opponent through this one neat trick. And then they come up against a real bunch of lawyers, uh, judges, who are asking real questions from a legal perspective, not from an MSNBC audience pleasing perspective. And and the humiliation that the uh, uh, Colorado uh, folks received uh, just demonstrates that they're just not serious people. Talking to Kurt Schlichter, you can find his work uh, three times a week over there at townhall.com and the book The Attack. It is available at Amazon.com. Uh, the, the 14th Amendment conversation was about the idea that someone cannot run for office or hold an office, I should say, if they have engaged in insurrection or rebellion. What's interesting is that it says engaged. It doesn't say convicted of, uh, which I think is what Colorado tried to put forward, even though they have declared his guilt without being adjudicated in in any way, shape, or form. But then there was the other conversation of, well, this is about holding office, not necessarily running for office, which was a conversation Justice Gorsuch uh, brought up uh, to them, that even if you were to be right that he can't hold an office, how in the world do you think that you stop him? I'm often amazed when cases come before the Supreme Court. You know, if you're, I'm not a lawyer. I don't spend my day thinking like this. But I would assume that a lawyer going in front of the Supreme Court would try and work on all the angles. I think that what you saw from from these Colorado attorneys, the attorney and then the solicitor general, was that they went in feeling a certain way, but never once asked themselves, what were these nine justices going to ask them? Well, Tony, you have uh, put your finger right upon it. Um, look, I argued in front of the Ninth Circuit. I haven't argued in front of the Supreme Court, but I've argued in front of the Ninth Circuit. I argued in front of many judges for many years. You need to understand your opponent's arguments, okay? You have to know what your opponent's argument is better than your opponent. And one of the problems with the echo chamber folks is they have convinced themselves that the other side is morally incapable of having any kind of coherent argument uh, and to even even make a counter argument is a moral failure. So they don't bother understanding what the the, the other side thinks. They, you know, we, we, you and I and many other people, we've lived around liberals all our life. We understand what liberals think, and we could make their arguments for them. They can't make ours because they don't believe ours exists. They believe it's immoral to even consider our arguments. So when they come to a place like the Supreme Court which is essentially serious uh, as opposed to, you know, the, um, you know, the panel of five uh, uh, leftists of various stripes that you get on MSNBC, suddenly they, they, they're, they're just not ready. The, and when you're going to the Supreme Court, that's the big time. You have to consider every possible argument. You have to know every possible case inside and out. You have to know the record left and right. And, and that's just for the questions you know are coming. Then you have to know your case so well you can field a question you never thought of. Uh, and they just weren't prepared. But it wasn't a matter of them just 
not doing great lawyering. Okay, that was icing on the cake. The fact is they had a they had a really bad legal case. And they're going to lose uh, seven, two, eight, one. Who knows? Maybe nine, zero. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the eight, one camp. I don't think you can get Sotomayor to do anything that isn't a vote uh, for for a progressive side. Every now and again, you, you find it. But in the I, I if we're betting, if we're paying, we're putting the money down, Kurt. I'm I'm eight one because I think I'm even Kagan was. I think she said it very very well that you haven't brought me anything that would convince me of anything. Talking to Kurt Schlichter, uh, trial lawyer, uh, columnist over at Town Hall, and author of the Attack and also the Kelly Turnbull uh, series of books. You should get those at Amazon.com. The Attack at Amazon.com as well. Uh, let's bring it over to what we saw from the special counsel. Because a lot of people want to say that somehow Biden was cleared of wrongdoing by the special counsel, even though the special counsel states very clearly that Biden, quote, willfully retained and disclosed, unquote, classified material. Yet you're hearing that since no charges are going to be brought, he is cleared of this wrongdoing. Uh, Is this uh, enough to make Republicans in Congress act towards an impeachment or as Republicans have now shown us with the, the the latest border bill that didn't go through, but yet we get the funding for Ukraine, Israel, et cetera, that's actually trying to move the ball down the line, actually trying to ensure that the country is safe and secure isn't actually priority number one. Uh, look, I, I don't know if this supports impeachment. Impeachment's a political act you should do for your political advantage. And I, I do think there may be some political advantage based on his corruption. Uh, this maintaining classified information stuff, uh, you know, as a society, we've, we have made a decision that it's not important, unless your name is Trump. And um, I, I, I just don't see him being impeached on this. Uh, what it really has done is cemented uh, Joe Biden's image as being a desiccated, senile old pervert, which he is. Uh, a corrupt scumbag, a moron, uh, and a complete failure as president who's so bad Jimmy Carter loves him because he makes the peanut guy look good. So this was this was political. The, uh, I thought it was interesting that they, they, they talked about this stuff because that went to the charging decision. That is, are we going to charge this guy? And, and, and you know, usually I, I would say the Department of Justice shouldn't explain why it doesn't charge people. It should just say we found insufficient evidence. Uh, in this case, they're actually prosecuting the ex-president for doing the same thing, except the president as the classification authority, the vice president, does not. So uh, they, they need to attempt to explain, and I think they've done a poor job, why one guy gets charged with felonies, the other guy gets does the same thing and gets a pass uh, and does the same thing for many, many more years. Um, I, I don't think they're going to buy it. Uh, if I was Trump's lawyer and I'll never be Trump's lawyer, I would uh, have a motion to dismiss based on, uh, uh, you know, selective prosecution in front of Judge Cannon. Uh, I think it would probably be denied. But you want to make that motion and make that record to the American people. Wait, they're letting this guy go. And what's Bush, what, what's, what's Biden going to do? Argue, I am competent enough to stand trial, damn it. Well, let me, let me make sure I, I, I've shared what, 
what they make, the left makes is this argument. That the difference is, is that Trump not only had the documents, he tried to hide them and keep them from being returned. But Joe Biden said, here you go. Is that a distinction without a difference? Uh, I think it is. And if you're talking about obstruction of justice, well, you know, Biden's uh, uh, Biden's uh, autobiographer erased all his uh, tapes of Biden talking about things like Ukraine and other things. Stuff that the report says have, has evidentiary value. Uh, Hillary Clinton took a hammer to her hard drives. So, are, you know, uh, is obstruction of justice a crime? It is not because they've shown it, it isn't us. It isn't by not prosecuting everybody the same. You, you can't have two systems of justice. And I think people see that. Talking to Kurt Schlichter of Find His Book. The attack over at Amazon.com. I, I, I've, of course, we've known each other for years. Follow each other on 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 the X at Kurt Schlichter, S C H L I C H T E R. Uh, you have been talking about uh, Tucker Carlson's interview of Vladimir Putin, and people, of course, on the left have gone mad over this. This is disgusting. This is despicable. They're upset that an interview was done. Not even the content of of the the interview. There a problem with uh, Tucker Carlson interviewing uh, President Putin? No. I, you know, the, the, the nerve of these people, Tony, to tell me who I can hear from and who I can't. I can't hear Tucker Carlson interviewing Vladimir Putin. Excuse me. Who the hell are these people? I know they weren't out there shivering with me in the cold while I was in the Army defending the right to speak freely. They're defending the freedom of the press. That's, I, that, that's, that's the most obnoxious thing. Uh, are, are they terrified that uh, uh, Vladimir Putin is going to uh, say something convincing that's going to make people change their minds? Huh. That doesn't make it better. That makes it much, much worse. And, I, and, and you know, frankly, a guy who was literally in the Cold War like me and literally knows how to destroy a Russian motor rifle regiment, okay, I, I don't need any lessons from the same suckers who fell for the uh, KGB nuclear freeze thing back when I was in the Army in the Cold War, uh, uh, explaining to me how bad the Russians are. Okay, I will listen to whoever I want, whenever I want, interviewed by whoever I want, for whatever reason I want, and I will draw whatever conclusions I want. They don't get a vote. They don't get a say. They can, well, I'm going to keep it SEC compliant. Thank you. Go ahead. They can. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, be, before, before I let you go, I was, I was testing Kurt. He passed the test. Um, let's talk about just a, a quick bit about something you said regarding the content. If Vladimir Putin said something I agree with, did you watch the interview, and did you think Vladimir Putin said anything that you would uh, find yourself agreeing with? I've seen excerpts, and I don't see anything I agree with. Vladimir Putin is a bad guy. He is an enemy of the United States. Uh, he is a, a liar and a murderer. Uh, he launched a, uh, a horrible attack on a neighboring country and has killed hundreds of thousands of people. I think he is a scumbag. Uh, he was also a KGB lieutenant colonel. Um, and in fact, our mutual friend, Michael Walsh, when he was out as a Newsweek reporter, actually met Vladimir Putin, thought he was a scumbag 35 years ago. 
Um, so no, nothing he says convinces me. That's not the point. The point is, I will decide what I hear, I will decide what I think, and I will decide what I say. And not only do they not get a vote, I'm inclined to uh, uh, go out and listen to somebody I normally wouldn't listen to and, and, eva- you know, and evaluate what they have to say just to make them mad. Kurt Schlichter, find his work over at townhall.com and the book The Attack, available at amazon.com. Always a pleasure, Kurt. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. The Dow is down 83. The NASDAQ is up 176. Holy mackerel. That is that is something. And they are reporting, this was CNBC with the report, uh, that inflation is actually lower than they thought. Well, that's a nice thing to say. Updates to the Consumer Price Index show that the broad basket of goods and services measured an increase of 0.2% on the month in December, less than the originally reported 0.3%. So does that mean inflation is not up 3.9% for the year, but 3.5% for the year? Still well above the 2%? Does this change the Fed uh, saying that, you know, hey, we were going to lower rates, we were going to have three rate cuts in 2024 but now maybe we'll just maybe we'll just keep it the way it is. Does it change consumer confidence? No, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. But that's the latest. This is Tony Katz today.